joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the world is one of my favorite Christmas carols. I love the energy of it. I love the excitement that it initiates. And I certainly love our word of the day, which is joy. How many of you like joy? Yeah, we all like joy. How many of you like sadness? Somberness? <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> you know, there's this thing about uh, pastors and writing sermons. It seems like whatever the topic is, God drops in the middle of one's life material that fits the the particular topic. So it seems like whenever I preach on suffering, God gives me all these great illustrations, these great real-life examples about suffering, which is probably why I don't like to preach about suffering and why I love to talk about joy. Because joy is one of those, well, it's one of those emotions, it's one of those words that gets us excited, and we began this morning's service singing Joy to the World, one of my absolute favorite Christmas carols. Are you joyful and triumphant this morning? Today's week three of our series on carols, and we've been looking at different Advent carols, different Christmas carols, if you will. And each week, we've unpacked some of the lyrics and their biblical basis for some of these timeless treasures. Now, I have to admit, the last two weeks, we've been looking at some little bit more obscure songs, songs that, honestly, I had to kind of dig up and, and, and look myself but this one is one that's familiar to all of us. Joy to the world. It was written in 1719 by an English hymn maker, hymn writer, excuse me, and minister named Isaac Watts. There's a photograph of him. Okay, it's not really a photograph. Now, interestingly enough, I, I, and I, I was unaware of this, the music comes from an 1848 arrangement by American Lowell Mason. And side note, for, some of, for those of you that are musically inclined, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But the song, the melody of the song, the first four notes are actually derived from another very famous piece of music. Joy to the world. Actually, I wish I could show this to you, but on the piano... As a piano teacher, this is always one of my favorite songs to teach kids. And you can try this at home. This is free, everybody. If you start on C, and if you don't know what C is, look it up. Wikipedia, the Google, it'll tell you everything. But if you start on C and just slide your finger down the piano, you'll get all the first notes of the song. I have to hit the, get the right one. Let earth receive her king. Are you impressed? Okay, I told you there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the first four notes. And those of you that are familiar with Handel's Messiah will know that those four notes come from the song, Lift up ye heads, O ye gates, to be lifted up. Who is this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? Boy, I just want to sing it. Truly, one of my fantasies, and perhaps we'll do this someday, I want to do a whole series, a whole sermon series on Handel's Messiah because it is the most incredible. Oh, wow. I'm not the only one. Uh, it is the most incredible uh, package of music I think perhaps it's ever been written. And interestingly enough, Handel's Messiah, just another side note before we can go back to Joy to the World, 
Handel's Messiah, we often think of as Christmas time, but the lyrics of most of the songs relate more to Good Friday and the events of Holy Week. So while I've thought about maybe doing this Handel's Messiah series at Christmas time, who knows? It might show up around Holy Week at some point. Anyhow, the theme of the, of the, the series, uh, excuse me, the theme of the song is what? Well, it's joy. It's obviously joy. What exactly is joy? How do we experience it? How do we bring joy to the world? We're going to talk about that in our remaining time together, but first let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for joy. It is a part of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It's something that we all need more of in our lives. And tragically, it's something that seems to be so rare and lacking in our world today. So I ask, Lord, that as we study your word together today, and even throughout this whole holiday season, that we would experience your joy and we would share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, in today's scripture reading, we were, we were looking at this story, this famous story in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on to Luke chapter 2. It's the second chapter of the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, the four good news passages of scripture. In today's scripture, uh, an angel delivered a message that terrified shepherds. And, and it's no wonder, I mean, have you ever seen an angel or a collection of angels or heard them sing, seen bright lights in the sky? We're so comfortable with the story. We're so overly familiar with it that we often miss the intensity of it. But this angel appears and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause It's not joy, it's great joy. There's good news that's going to cause great joy for who? For all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now the announcement stated that there was going to be good news. Our world is desperate for good news today. Absolutely desperate for it. And actually, I think the world has always been looking for more and more good news. We're always searching for more joy. But I love this aspect of for all the people. See, back in the day, there were the Jews and there was everybody else. In fact, they were all lumped into a category that we all now today call in English the Gentiles. You have the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, the good news... This, this word good news, the original Greek is euangelizo. I, I never did good in Greek pronunciation, so hang with me. But it means to announce good news. A, a word we often talk of is evangelize. Whenever the word evangelism is mentioned, Christians all tense up and horror up and like evangelize. We can't do that. Evangelizing is proclaiming good news. We often talk about good news when a baby is born, when our team wins, when we get a promotion, we, we evangelize, we share good news. It's to declare or to bring, show glad tidings, to preach. The, this word gospel, it means good news. Today in church circles, there's a lot of discussion about what does the word gospel mean? Does it mean uh, to pray a prayer so you get to go to heaven when you die? Uh, is, is the gospel 
related to a, a certain event in history or a series of events. What is the gospel? Gospel, in a broad sense, it just means good news. And the, the angel comes to these shepherds and announces good news that's going to cause great joy for all the people. It's great, great news. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, the Jewish people were known as God's chosen people. We had the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews, well, they really copped an attitude toward all the Gentiles. They would snub their nose. Oh, you're a Gentile. Well, we are God's chosen people, and you are some second-class citizen. It's no wonder they were often hated by the Gentiles. And, well, you know how hatred goes. It starts to go both ways, and pretty soon there's more and more animosity between these two groups, and it grows and grows and grows. And generations later, half the time, people don't even know why they hate the other group. They just do. Sound familiar? I think it's incredible how God used a Jewish Messiah to come into the world to save not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, which is why this was great news for all people. Jesus was not an American. I know that's news to some of you. He always looks like an American, it seems like, in a lot of the drawings and paintings and such. I don't think he was white. He didn't speak English. And he certainly wasn't born into wealth or power or freedom like so many, of, uh, so many of us enjoy. Speaking of which, I don't want to miss the shepherds in the story. You know, the ones that usually wear the bathrobes or the Christmas pageant. The shepherds out in the fields. They were, after all, the ones to whom the angel spoke. They were the lowly caretakers of these lambs. And it would be just like God to announce the arrival of the King of kings and the Lord of lords to the most lowly of people. These guys out in the fields, they were lowly caretakers of lambs and considered untrustworthy and ceremonially unclean because of their work. And yet these lambs that they would take care of would later be used as temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. Dr. Tony Evans says this, the shepherds were responsible for making sure that the newborn lambs had no defects since the sacrificial animals had to be without spot or wrinkle. So the shepherds would tightly wrap the lambs in cloth to keep them from becoming blemished and injuring themselves. This explains why Luke makes the point that Jesus was wrapped tightly in cloth. Since at his birth, he was the sinless lamb of God whose substitutionary sacrifice would take away the sin of the entire world. Such a beautiful picture. Such a, a beautiful metaphor. Such a beautiful symbol of what would come in that manger? Virtually everything about the arrival of King Jesus was the opposite of any royal birth. See, God had a special place in his heart for outcasts, the stranger, the widow, the poor, the orphan. I hope this is an encouragement to you, to many of you. Many of you Perhaps all of us at one point or another, we felt rejected. We felt like outcasts. We've wondered, did anybody care about us? Just this past week, I was with my grandbabies. Speaking of joy, <laughs> we made Christmas cookies together. And, and after baking, I don't know, I, thousands of cookies, it felt like. Have any of you like, made cookies with a one-year-old and a three-year-old? It's pretty exciting. 
But it, at one point, it was time to, to, to do something a little different. And so we had a little, little couch time. And we were, we were watching Rudolph. You all know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you've probably seen that show from the, I think it was the 1960s. And there's a, the, this scene where Rudolph is rejected. In fact, he goes to the land island of the misfit toys. And I said to, to Heather, I said, you know, as a kid, I always identified with Rudolph. I didn't have a red nose, but I always identified with Rudolph. I always felt like an outcast, like I, I didn't fit in the way all the cool kids did. How interesting that, that Jesus would not sit at the cool kids' table, that his announcement would not be to the dignity, the rich, the powerful, the popular, but that Jesus came in the most humble of circumstances, announced his whole purpose was for the common person. Now, granted, Jesus came and lived and died and rose for, from the dead for the popular people, for the powerful people and such. But the whole story is so common. It's so ordinary. I identify with it. I don't know what my occupation would have been 2,000 years ago, but I could see myself as a shepherd. Ordinary, common. And that's how Jesus enters the world. God sees you. If you're in the sanctuary this morning, I see you. If, if you're online, I can't see you. But God sees you. And to all of you, I just want to say, you matter. You belong. You belong here. You belong to God. And he sees you. Your life has meaning and purpose. You were created in the image of the Almighty God with dignity and value and worth. And some of you have heard that thousands of times. Some of that, that's actually a new concept. And for a lot of us, it's something we never heard as kids. Next Sunday evening, the kids are going to be on stage, speaking of kids. As Pastor, Pastor Donald mentioned earlier, uh, next Sunday, 6.30, the kids' musical, it's called We Three Spies. It's a hoot. Of course, kids are a hoot, period. So bring your friends. I, I invite you all. But there's, there's a song that the kids are going to sing next week, and it says this, good news for the poor, good news for the broken hearts, good news for the captives, good news for those who cry. Can you relate to that? I know I can. In fact, I'm just going to give you a little sneak preview of tonight's dinner church while I'm in the midst of shameless plugs. Dinner church tonight, we always take a one-word theme. Tonight's word, it's blue. As in, blue Christmas. In fact, we've got a guest artist coming from Michigan. He does, ready for this, Christian blues. And if you're like, how can a Christian do the blues? Well, come check it out. He's going to explain why and what Christian blues is all about. I won't steal his thunder now. Five o'clock tonight. But this, this sense of, of the blues, this sense of darkness, this sense of depression and, and the hardness of life, it's something we all deal with. Part of it is because, well, it's all because of sin. We're all captives to sin. We've all experienced pain and suffering and broken hearts. We've been poor physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And this is one of the things I love about faith. 
our faith. It's for everybody. You don't have to have a master's degree to follow Jesus. You don't have to be rich and powerful to be a follower of Christ. Everybody is welcome to belong. Young, old, rich, poor, immigrant, refugee, black, brown, peach, American, Asian, African, European, male, female, everybody. Some have called Christianity an exclusive religion. And Jesus did say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that sounds pretty exclusive. Sounds really exclusive. But actually, the gift, Jesus, is very inclusive because he came for anybody and everyone. Yet many have refused to accept the gift. See, a gift is never yours until it's taken. If I send you a brand new Apple Watch and you leave it in your mailbox, it's not yours. I can send it to you, but until you open the package, until you accept the gift, it doesn't belong to you. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is Lord. That's as good as it gets, family. Jesus is Lord, and he's Lord for all people. We don't have to wallow in our shame, our guilt, our anxiety, our fear, insecurities, depression. Jesus came to give us life and freedom and hope, peace, love, and joy to the world. That's the word that we're talking about today, joy. But what does joy really mean? Many times we compare it to happiness. And I have to say, uh, it makes sense because, well, we, we hear about happiness all the time in our culture. It seems like being happy is the highest value people have. I can do whatever I want to as long as it makes me happy. My happiness is more important than any law. My happiness is more important than any other people. My happiness is more important than history. My happiness matters more than anything else. Do you hear that in our culture? I blame Thomas Jefferson because he was the one that talked about the pursuit of happiness. He said it's our right, our, our, our freedom to pursue happiness, but it's not a guarantee that we're always going to be happy, happy, happy. And by the way, some of you, you've heard from preachers that following Jesus is going to make you happy, happy, happy. The problem is that Jesus hung on a cross, and when Jesus was hanging on a cross, he wasn't happy, happy, happy. And he said, if you follow me, you're going to experience A lot of stuff that I experienced. Think back to the Sheryl Crow hit song, If It Makes You Happy. And that's all people seem to care about these days. If it makes me happy. Now don't get me wrong, I love to be happy. I'm not against happiness. God is not against happiness. Well, if you look at some Christians, you might think twice about that. But it was never God's design that our ultimate pursuit would be happiness. His desire for us is to pursue holiness. Our ultimate pursuit should be the Lord and His glory. Now, the thing about joy, the original Greek word, it's, it's kara, and it means, well, joy. It means calm delight. Calm delight. How many of you could use a little more calm delight in your world? All the parents are saying, amen, amen. Calm delight. Just just think about calm delight brings me joy. Calm delight. It means cheerfulness, gladness, and in some cases, greatly joyful. As I said earlier, joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. And it's used throughout the book of Philippians by Paul, who, despite being in prison 
wrote this whole book that was filled with joy. Now, how can you have joy if you're sitting in prison? How can you have joy in the midst of trials and sufferings? How can you experience joy when there's loss and pain in our world? It's possible to have joy even in the most difficult of circumstances. Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I think the most amazing verse about joy speaks of Jesus, who became Emmanuel, God with us. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now again, I don't think Jesus was happy hanging on the cross. But even during the crucifixion, he had hope. He chose joy. He realized that there was more to the story than what he was experiencing in that moment. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, I know some of you are going through some really difficult circumstances. You wonder, what's next? When, it, when is the other shoe going to fall? Some of you, the pain and the anguish, especially at the holidays, is just gut-wrenching. And I'm here to tell you, your story is not over. There is hope. The Prince of Peace is alive and well. You need to reach out and call upon him. You can experience joy even in the midst of suffering. Jesus experienced joy in the most agonizing moment in human history. Because rather than looking at his current situation, he was able to see what was ahead. And we have the privilege of fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's where our eyes need to be every single day. Not on our worry and strife, not on fear, not on all the crazy stuff in the news, but fixing our eyes on Jesus. If he could experience joy on the cross, there is no limit to the potential of joy in our lives. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. You know, the birth of Jesus never made Fox News or CNN. But eventually word would spread that the Messiah, the Lord, had come, had arrived. Let earth receive her king. Jesus is not merely the, the king of Rome or England or Scotland, but the king of the earth. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules and reigns, and though he's allowing Satan this season to be the prince of this world, the king is coming back soon. Let every heart prepare him room. We talked about this last week, making room for God. The one thing I forgot to tell you last week is that I really struggle making room for God. But pastor, don't you read the Bible and pray all day long? I mean, isn't that your job? Hardly. I find it difficult to truly make space to be still and know that he is God. That still small voice... I love to be busy. I love to, to produce and create. I, I love to go, go, go. And slowing down, being still, making room in my heart, making room in my calendar for God can be a challenge for me at times. I know it's a challenge for people in our world right now. What about you? Have you really made room in your heart, your calendar, your budget, your relationships for God? I'm not a perfect example, but I'm a living example of someone that's striving for this, is, is seeking to become more like Jesus, making room for him. Is there room 
in your heart and your life for Jesus. Unfortunately, 2,000 years later, billions of people still haven't even heard about the birth of Jesus. There's no question about them making room. They, they don't even know. They've never heard the good news. And this is why the Christian Missionary Alliance is so committed to making sure that every man, woman, and child on our planet gets a chance to hear the good news, the gospel, that Jesus is Lord. This is why we have the Great Commission Fund and the, the year-end offering is being taken right now. You can do it online so that we can send more and more international workers to parts of the world that have never heard the gospel. In our culture, it's pretty common. People have access to the gospel on every, all over on, on TV and through the internet. But we're talking billions of people have never heard the Christmas story. And what's the natural response of those who have experienced the joy of the Lord? It says, in heaven and nature sing, in heaven and nature sing, in heaven and heaven and nature sing. I love these verses from Psalm 96. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. He rules the world with truth and grace. King Jesus is Lord of all the earth, all creatures of our God and King, land and sea. And no wonder that we're commanded in Psalm 98 to sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and a blast of the ram's horn. Did anyone bring a ram's horn today? Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. That's good news. That's joy-inducing truth. That's something worth telling on the mountain and everywhere. Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the last verse of Joy to the World declares, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders of His love. King Jesus rules. King Jesus reigns. King Jesus loves. And King Jesus lives. Let's receive our King this Christmas and spread joy to the world. Would you please stand for a closing prayer?